You're listening to Late Night Pacific Northwest with Coyote Gunyan and my co-conspirator, Robert Myers. Well, one thing I would start with is the, for everybody that doesn't know, to explain exactly who, you know where the name comes from, the origin of the name. And, you know, well, you, you, you have native friends. Where Skinwalker mm-hmm. come from, basically? Like, we're native. In, in our tradition, like my mother and our family, we wouldn't call them Skinwalkers. We would call them Rougarou. We call them Rougarou, but the, the word is actually French, like Rougarou or something like that. Ha, ha. And it's not, it's not Skinwalker. Skinwalker is the Navajo term for a person mm-hmm. that can shape shift, and they're a, a witch, basically. And that's um, as far as I know. They, and they put curses on people, and they kill them, and they you don't ever want to find one, or even want to look for any of them. We shouldn't even be talking about them because we're native. They they tend to have more effect on natives than they do any other race for some reason. And they I think it's because we're magical, but <laughs> I think it's because uh, some of them were the majority of. Uh, Maybe of what they are, they are they probably are from uh, native people, because it's always associated with dark native uh, um, black magic, you know. So, and I'm talking about dark skin color. I'm talking about uh, dark black bad magic. medicine, yeah. basically. Yeah, it's uh, prevalent in Yakima's. Uh, but I was told, you know, that they do have some uh, stories like that, but it's not far as. And why it is spread as like a, they do like in a, with other tribes, but it seems like to be a common theme amongst a lot of tribes with their legends, their folklore. So you take it as you will, but you know they every, they all seem to have this uh, same story in in every tribal legend that's handed down. Even in the movie Twilight or book series, yeah. the Skinwalkers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, shapeshifters. Yeah. Shapeshifters, but they weren't bad. They were trying to save people or save them from the vampires protect them save them kill the vampires do whatever yeah and then they go by different names in uh different parts of the country uh wendigo i think would probably fit this category a being that shapeshifts and tends to prey on uh human beings that are alone you know and they seem to be attracted to uh people who are in desolate areas that's pretty scary if you think about it, because if you, you know, if you take a drive through the mountains, <laughs> you know those eyes in the bushes might actually. Well, even somewhere. even like driving out here, thinking about this subject, which is really creepy to me, is like you ever take a drive through the res and there's nobody outside ever, even on sunny days, even on dark days, and the blinds are always drawn in every single person's house, and it's just creepy. The only people out doing anything are the people making money, the farmers or whatever, but you never see anybody else out. It's it's really weird. Or especially if you drive through White Swan, which is all native mostly, and then all the blinds are drawn. And, I mean, I always think when I drive by, are they sitting in darkness? Or it reminds me of one of those scary movies or scary stories where there's people waiting for you to come in, and then they're going to grab you and pull you into the darkness with them. Like Medicine Valley, I mean, that's one place I always tend to avoid at all costs. Uh, it's not because I'm afraid of the people out there. It's just... It's a damn scary, spooky place to go. 
was watching a video of an older lady, and it was on Discovery Channel, and she's a lookout at Sadis Peak. This lady's been working up there for how many years? She's older, but she's, what is it? She's a fire watcher, or a fire, what do they call it? Fire watch. Yeah, she's yeah. a fire watch. So she's lookout up, point. She's yeah. looking out, a fire lookout. So she's always up there looking out for fires, but she reports seeing all these weird and strange lights. And then when, when I was looking at that, I got sucked into the rabbit hole of YouTube, and off to the side, there's a sidebar. Oh, there's lights in Yakima. It's that same video I sent you. And mm-hmm. I was like, so that's one of those, so those lights are military lights. For those who are listening, if you actually look up UFOs over Yakima in, in YouTube, just as a search, a lot of people take pictures and show these lights in our, that are in the sky. But anyway, this... These lights were over the ridge, one of the ridges, but it never really says where it's at. And the military does one of those things where it's like, oh, we're doing an exercise. Those are our flares. So flares just bang out in the sky, like magically. I mean, don't they usually come down because of gravity? But I mean, to me, that was one of those things. I was like, so either there's helicopters that are hanging out in one spot or those flares can easily hang out in one spot. I mean just depending on the technology, but I don't think they would be flares. It might not have been flares, it might have been something else, but they said they were doing exercises over there. The military does definitely, most definitely have military aircraft flying around, and because this was happening about uh, two and a half weeks ago. I was outside having a cigarette. Uh, I, was, I was watching this um, aircraft coming in, flying over Toppenish, right over my house. And I didn't believe it, but it was a stealth craft. It, was, it looked like the F-117 stealth craft, and there was two of them flying in, in unison with each other going northwest, uh, northeast direction. It seems like probably toward uh, Fairchild in Spokane. But I thought it was pretty... I had to call my next-door neighbor. I was like, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. He's like, I, I, was like, I need somebody to look at this. He's like, you ain't going to believe it. He's like, come here, come here, come here. So he got up right away, and he saw it as well, because I, I didn't think anybody would believe me if I told him that. And yeah, they flew right overhead and in a pretty low. And you, and Probably lower than you would expect. Uh, we, we see aircraft fly over here all the time. And I, I saw F-A-17s fly over before, but I didn't see the stealth craft, and I heard about the stealth craft flying over this area. But I remember seeing that F-A-17. It flew over Toppenish twice at a really low level. And it's just like, why are they flying at such a low level? It makes you uh, think that maybe there's a dual purpose in it. Because um, I've always thought about that for years. And um, maybe one of the reasons why is because there have been sightings out here since Kenneth Arnold back in 47. And they do not, ha- ha, you know, the, the term flying saucer comes from, you know, here. Comes from Washington. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, he, he was a pilot who flew from Seattle to, uh, he was flying from Yakima to Seattle, and when he landed in Seattle, um, he reported what he saw, and, and the best way he described it was, it looked like uh, stones flying, uh, fly, you know, saucers flying over, uh, being skipped like rocks over water. Those are the nine flying yeah. saucers he saw? Yeah, and he clocked them, and they were flying at incredible speed, so uh, that goes right there to the Northwest <laughs> history of, you know, how far it goes back, which is bizarre if you think about it you know because you get if you think about it 1945 first time humanity has dropped an atomic weapon anywhere and then two years later there's a definite sighting that happened you got to think 
was there some kind of a did we attract them in that we definitely sent something out in the space yeah. and people don't realize it but they when they're testing nuclear weapons over and over again we're sending sending all this it's information out in the space it's just kind of interesting that once we do that then there's all this activity afterwards you know one thing i always took from that is if any kind of sensor readings that went off you know after we exploded it um, um, after we exploded the first atomic weapon, which would have been the test sites down in, uh, down in Nevada. The first, that would have been the, technically the first time. So from that point, something traveling at the speed of light, that would have been anywhere from one to two light years, which would have been, uh, I can't remember the calculation, but there, you, know, you would have to think if they would have had to have been within that radius and that close, in order to detect it and then come around to investigate, which is which is really scary if you think about it, because that doesn't mean we're you know far away. Hell, for all we know, we might be within somebody's inter, you know within somebody's border if you really think about it. You know. And well, recently we had that. What is it that they said it was an asteroid, but they said it was a cigar-shaped asteroid, which is kind of oh, yeah. weird. Then they did the artist rendition. They said it had an unusual shape and. It had an unusual shape, an unusual way of travel, and it was traveling super fast. Uh, about that, as I really loved, was uh, the similarity of the shape of uh, the spacecraft that was in Star Trek uh, Four, yeah. the voyage home, where they were trying to rescue the whales. The thing that comes from outer space and starts sucking up all the water. They're looking for cigar shape. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I, uh, one thing about the Yakima Valley is that. There's been a lot of sightings here, you know, UFO sightings. And I remember my uh, father, who, who uh, my stepfather, he told me a story specifically, you know, it happened in 57. He remembers it clearly. He knows, he, remember, he remembered all the witnesses. And he said this uh, um, happened right in broad daylight. And he said, he, could, he even pointed it out to a place where he saw it, uh, which was, he said, well, it was right by the... Uh, the Toppenish water tower right down there by the Toppenish pool. He said he saw it. He saw it hover. He said yeah, there was uh, two other kids with him and a, a guy who was drinking in the alley who saw it. You know, uh, and they they were they were watching this guy and he, he was looking up and staring and there it was. They looked up and they all saw it. And he said it looked a lot like that um, craft out of. Uh, um, the poster that uh, Fox Mulder has in his office. Oh yeah, he says that was that was it. He said that was it. He said I. And then now, this is before the X Files came out. He told me the story, uh, you know, more than once, because I always kept asking about it. And he says there wasn't much to tell. He said he, it was hovering there, and then it just it tilted at a forty-five degree angle, and then just shot off. Bam! It was gone. And he said uh, he. You know, to this day, he can't explain it. And, oh, you know, before he passed away, you know, he, he said he was the only, he was the last living witness to that. And he said, nobody ever came around and talked to me or asked me about it. And he said it was just something that he just wrote off. <laughs>